0: D20 Radio, where gamers roll. www.d20radio.com. Thought for the day the justice of your action is measured by the strength of your conviction. Hello, Shock Troops, and welcome to episode eighty of the Grimdark Podcast. This is James, and this is Mike. If you're joining us for the first time, we're a podcast devoted to role playing in the forty-first millennium using the gaming systems created by Fantasy Flight Games. It's been a long time between uh, between shows. I think it's been a, a good month since we last had a show. Yes. Which I mean, it really only means we missed our show because, technically t- 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 speaking, we are a, a bi-weekly show not bi-week or every fortnight show. Fortnightly. That's it. Yes, bi-weekly will be twice a week. Is that right? Or yeah, there you go. No, we're not quite that. Not quite that that prepared. Uh, but no, we had missed uh, Mr. a bit. Uh, this life has gotten the way. Actually, it's not. It's less life and more just lots of role playing, because every time we've had we've we'd have this sort of midweek group that usually meets once a fortnight as well. And I think we've played at yes, least once every single week since before Christmas, yeah. and a couple of times twice a week over the Christmas break as well. So yeah. it's
1: been good to
0: get that much gaming. Yeah, well, I mean, sort of. We've been doing this D and D campaign still, you know, yeah, and. Uh, are you still enjoying the D&D campaign? I oh, am. Yeah.
1: Yep. There's nothing quite like just killing things without having to worry <laughs> about the consequences of your actions or why you're really doing it. None of that stuff.
0: Yep, that's it. I mean, it's been a fun game and it's still going on. It, we, we've been recreating the uh, the old Gold Box um, pools of Radiance module as, as a, a third ed... Uh, Pool of Radiance as a third 3. ed... 3.5. Uh, sorry, sorry 3.5, yes, to be precise. Uh what else? I mean, I, I did... I ran a Star Wars game last night, you know, via Roll20, and that went, uh, except for Roll20's usual audio issues, which is literally, I mean, the problem with Roll20 seems to be that you, you jump on, and everything seems to work at first, and then somebody comes kind of someone else, or somebody drops off all the time.
1: It, it's never... So, at the beginning, it's always halfway through, suddenly, they just can't hear anyone. No, they right. haven't logged off, nothing's changed, just suddenly, two people can't hear anymore. Yeah.
0: Whereas last night, we got on, and... It didn't even try to figure tr- trigger the audio recording off at all. Like there was just no WebRTC, nothing. Just it didn't offer you to start start broadcasting. So in the end, we had to switch to Google Hangouts. But Google Hangouts was flawless. Yeah. The audio was fantastic the whole time. So, which is a shame because Google Hangouts are getting shut down. I've heard. Oh. So <laughs> <laughs> they
1: finally fixed their audio to be perfect. So they're gonna
0: close it. Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know, but uh, that was it was a it was a good fun game. I think that's been. It's probably been it as far as our actual gaming has gone. I've been reading a lot over the past time. I, I'd completely forgotten that when I kick-started Savage Rifts um, on the suggestion of uh, Ross Watson uh, that uh, I'd actually gotten the physical copy as well. So
1: That's suddenly
0: a, a bunch of you know Rifts books turned up, which I had a chance to go through. And, um, what do you think? Oh, look, I mean, I, I always like Rifts. Savage Worlds... Is it's it's okay. Savage World's better than the old Palladium system, in my personal opinion.
1: I will be honest, I always yeah. liked the settings of Rift. I love the settings of Rifts, the books, mm-hmm. the stuff. I, I didn't even mind that some things were more powerful than others. Yeah. So long as you let everyone have a free choice. If someone wanted to play something weak, that was their option so long as they knew they could play something else. Yeah. The problem was the system was just so dog horrible. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I know I'm the, going to catch the flak here. <laughs> Savage Worlds, I
0: don't think is a lot better system. I, I mean, I'll admit, I've never been a person who's really gone into generic systems. Like, I'm, I'm, I've never played Gerps, um, and it's, I'm not, not going to say it's bad because I've never played it. You know, but I, I, Savage Worlds once again is more of a generic system. Uh, I mean, there's been the like I mean, even we've we've always liked the old World of Darkness, and I like what they did with. The New World of Darkness where they made the the core rules more of a sort of a generic generic rule set. That worked quite well. But Yeah, no, some of these more sort of generic universal role-playing packages I've never really gotten that much into. But, yeah, look, I mean, I prefer the Savage Worlds take over the Palladium take. (laughs) It wouldn't be hard. But uh, the other thing I picked up actually was... (laughs) Damned neutral. (laughs) We've covered this in earlier shows. Uh, The other one I picked up was uh, Numenera. So, I mean, Numenera is this, like, multi-award-winning role-playing game that I've always given a miss because the first year that you and I went to Gen Con for the Ennies... Was that everything that won was all Numenera stuff as such, you know, so uh, or Pathfinder, you know, but, but primarily Numenera. So, yeah, Australians love to go for the underdog, uh, yeah. and so uh, when, when when you're on top, you know, no one cares as such. But you know, there's got to be a reason that it's won all these all these awards and that. So I did pick it up, and it's funny you mention um, lack of balance too, because certainly I've observed that a lot of the options in the book don't maintain good balance. Uh, and and that seems to be like unapologetic. You know, basically the book is sort of saying that these this, you picking these options is not about crafting the best mechanical result. It's about finding the rule of cool. You know, what 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 informs the narrative that you want to produce the best, as such. So, yeah. good yeah. on for giving that a go. You know, nothing wrong with
1: that. Nothing wrong with that. That's I still it. think that my uh, half celestial cream monk <laughs> would have been very cool. <laughs>
0: Instead, you're playing an equally broken character. <laughs> hey,
1: he's a lot less broken than, than, than the Thry Cream monk.
0: That's it. Alright, so there you go. That's, that's our gaming in the last uh, last month. Uh, speaking of today's show, it is an Only War show. Uh, so we'll be doing our news section. Then we're going to start talking a little bit more about our own Only War campaign. Uh, we're doing the Hunter Killer Regiment today. Uh, we'll do plot hooks, War Gear. Uh, I've decided to do a preview of Inquisitor Marda, the new computer game coming out, uh, mainly because uh, my involvement in that is no, there's no NDA involved there, so we can start talking about our own exposure to it. Yeah. Uh, then we, a topic we discussed last time, which is retconning—how you know, how to use retconning both for good and for evil in your in your game as well. Yes. Then we'll do our regular community section and, and finish the show off. So, shall we get into it? Yes, let's go. Command knowledge, Accessing Imperial archives. Okay, on to our news, and uh, obviously there's been no FFG news, Uh, and given that it's been a month since our last show, and and today as we're recording it is Valentine's Day, so you know, it's on on the 14th of February, there is only war, obviously, Uh, and uh, so if if we did exactly two weeks from now, that would be the last day that FFG is technically carrying the license. Okay. Uh, so, do, and, you uh,
1: want, do you want to do a eulogy next year?
0: No, no, no. I, I think, I mean, knowing us at the moment and our lives currently and the travel I've got coming up, we probably won't make it in exactly two weeks' time. It might be a bit later. So this is probably our, our last show before um, that, all sort of, that all sort of shuts down as well. And, and look, what it, what it is right now is really just the forums. So uh, I've seen a lot of people have been moving themselves over to the Role for Heresy forums. Um, but I wanted to do, I, I want to try the, the power of the uh, of the media here, and yeah. I'm going to suggest that uh, that in the next couple of weeks, leading up until the end of February, or maybe the week after or such, that um, I'm going to be using a, a Twitter hashtag, hashtag thanks for the heresy, just to, to once again to thank the FFG guys for everything that, uh, that they've done uh, for this game system over the past several years. And I'm, I would, God,
1: I'm sure in no way... But- Potentially manipulate people into going. Wow, this is still a really popular game. Perhaps we should pick up the license. Yeah,
0: exactly. And, and, and I'm hoping that that all of our listeners, you know both of them, will, uh, will will jump onto Twitter as well and also utilise hashtag. Thanks for the heresy. I
1: don't think many of our users use Twitter because it's <laughs> heresy.
0: <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right, but on to, on to other news. Uh, so GW, uh, it's been a month since we last had a chat, and quite a bit has happened here. Yes. Uh, and the the first part of that is what's known as the Gathering Storm, uh, and that all revolves around the Kadian Gate. So Mike, why don't you give us your quick explanation there? Um,
1: is there really a lot to explain? The the, the fall of Kadia is exactly that. they don't. They don't mess around. It's not like Cadia gets taken over by Chaos and later on it's going to get taken back. No.
0: Yeah, well, it was a limo for a long while because it was effectively, con- well, not conquered, but at least occupied during, during the band's last crusade. So. During
1: his last crusade, they had that uh, worldwide campaign where people would send in their results and they'd come up with a decision. And sure enough, Chaos absolutely smashed the, uh, the loyalists, yep. but they decided to have it as a stalemate for a little while because the writers didn't know what to do. Um, but now they've fixed that problem, and Cadia is no more. So, for those who know, Cadia was covered in pylons, for lack of a better word, which were some sort of ancient technology claimed to have been human, which controlled and stabilized warp activity. That's why it was the Cadia Gate, because it was a stable warp route into the Eye of Terror. Right. So, it was heavily defended for that reason. However, it turned out that these Pylons were in fact necron technology and sure enough they failed. Eventually through Necron activity and uh um, the side of hubris,
0: they <laughs> collapsed
1: and the planet got completely eradicated, destroyed, obliterated.
0: So I wonder what happened now because with the Imperial Guard or the Astro Militarum figures in the, in the in the war game, the default figure is the Cadian 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 army as such Cadian army Cadian
1: stormtroopers yeah so I don't
0: know what they'll do there if they'll you know will Katachans become the new default figure or
1: or will there be a a step back to the old Imperial Guard where the default figure was like a I, I suppose the description I would give for those very first rogue trader era models would be Starship Troopers style. Oh, yeah. They were, weren't they? I mean, yeah. They had the camo fatigues, a little body vest and a little helmet and their flashlight. Yeah. That, that was it. And they were for plastic sets back in the 80s. They were pretty good.
0: Yeah. So I've recently did with the, with the Astro because uh, the, So the next big step, and this is what's been launching now, is uh, part two of the Gathering Storm also known as the... Uh, the gathered fa- Storm? Sorry, Gathering Storm, isn't it? I yeah, I it, yeah. know,
1: but part two should be the Gathered Storm. Oh, sorry. So, yes. It's well, gathering. <laughs> it's destroyed a planet. I'd say gathered at that
0: point. Uh, well, this one's called uh, The Fracture of Tan, yeah. uh, And so this sort of continues the, the storyline that was started in the Death, death Watch, Watch game, game yeah. where basically the, the Eldar had come to believe that there was this unawakened god of death uh, in, in the elder belief structure that was being fueled by the infinity circuits. Like, every time the Eldar died, their spirits would be pushed into the infinity circuit in order to power the craft worlds. But, in reality, what they were doing is basically building these massive batteries of souls. Uh, and, um, you know, so there's some spoilers here if you're really into the lore of uh, of, of the war game as such, but, uh, generally speaking, what happens in The Gathering Storm 2 is that the craft world, the built hand craft world, is effectively shattered. You know, the, the the immense sort of release of all the force in the... Uh, in the Infinity Engine, um, a births this new god into existence, which is known as um, Inade, uh, and uh, also, wipes Out the Craftwell. So, if you're a built Tan lover, you should go and sit with your Acadian friends and sulk about the lack of your army in the in the game system going forward. Yeah. Um, there are some very nice figures of the avatar of the new uh, the, the new Eldar God as well. So, if you love the old Kane figures, the new figures are. Equally as impressive, and, and i got to say, given that the figure is effectively attached to the ground by lightning, um, I'm feeling another Jane Zarr moment coming on here as well. Where uh, it shouldn't be
1: as bad because it's plastic.
0: <laughs> it is plastic, that's exactly yeah, yeah. right. It, has,
1: it hasn't got a giant lead weight at the top in the, in, the, in the style of a giant bun on top of the head. <laughs> that hair is just so massive for the tiny little feet.
0: Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, you know, the implication here is that the Eldar will never be the same again after this, and such. And, and this is, is that such a bad thing? I mean, well, it depends on what, how you, whether you like the Eldar or not, or whether you what, what, what are the what are the clear, clear character flaws that the Eldar have that you don't like, Mike? Um.
1: And
0: and, and will they be fixed by the sudden 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 presence of a Death Guard?
1: Big, because my biggest problem with the Eldar always has been for a dying race, their guardians are cheaper than the Imperial Guardsmen. Yeah, there are supposedly billions of Imperial Guardsmen, trillions, in fact, and only a handful of Eldar. Yet somehow they can field more of them for less.
0: Yeah, I mean, if if you read the fluff, Guardians are usually not actually trained soldiers. Exactly. Yeah, they're, they're pretty much it's it's the militia. They they yeah. they, they just pre- press got, gang people into combat when they need but to. When you've so. got
1: billions compared to <laughs> hundreds of thousands, there should still be you know,
0: some sort of bounce so, Yeah, I mean I, I would say that Imperial Guard get at least a week's more training than standard guardians do. Ah. <laughs> before they're before they're shipped out for their first tour. <laughs> Let's get pointed this end this end of the last guard is the one you point out. You know me.
1: what? A gar- an, sorry, a yeah, yeah, guardian can shoot his cap capot before he charges the
0: enemy. <laughs> He's an assault weapon.
1: <laughs> I don't know who would actually go, Yeah, that seems like a good idea.
0: I know, but uh, anyway. So yeah, a bit, big news for the old R as such, and some some nice new figures and new books to go with as well. So I don't know whether this is the conclusion. Will there be the Gathering Storm Part Three? You know, is well, the storm? I'd say so
1: because there's a lot of rumours about, um, well, releasing right. the game in, in the White Wolf that Robert
0: or
1: Robo or Who <laughs> Boat or whatever so his name the, is
0: the the Primarch of the Ultramarines, Mike, you'd be referring to, yes?
1: I'll be referring to Robo Girlie <laughs> Um, yes he, he's coming back to life and reawakening to save the Imperium
0: yeah well then we've also seen the um, stuff about the return of um Lim and Russ as well so uh, not, uh, yeah sorry um,
1: possibly the return of Lehman Russ I mean yeah. There's several primar- Primarchs that can return. There's yes. only a few which definitely can't.
0: Yeah. But I mean I mean there's there's a the whole sort of prophecy attached to Lehman Russ about he will only return at the end of time basically at the end of time, so Is it the end of time? Well, I mean it's it's it's, it's up to do interpretation, apparently, Lemon Russ' interpretation because you Well that's <laughs> yeah. yeah. I suppose he might feel that this is you know, the Kadian Gates have fallen now now's my time to come back and
1: perhaps there'll be enough of belief amongst these not really psychers to, to bring him back.
0: So that's uh, GW. Uh, Nothing really on the Eternal Crusade front. I mean, the game is ticking along now. So uh, unless there's sort of major announcements, we might sort of just focus on the GW stuff in our news going forward, and uh, yeah, see what else we can come up with. But uh, that seems to be. While we're talking about GW stuff, I need to just quickly gloat as well. I was talking about before. I've actually bought myself a 3D printer now, and uh, so while I won't be printing, you know. um, Warhammer 40k figures I certainly will be putting 25 mil style figures in my own design for role playing games given how much we've enjoyed using miniatures in uh, in our D&D campaign as yeah, well yeah. so
1: well, yes I mean, there's plenty of things you can do for 40k which aren't models like bases is probably a great thing
0: yeah you,
1: know? you don't really want to pay your fortune for plastic bases scenery yeah, scenery I mean.
0: yeah 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 All right, so, you know, I mean, it's one of those things. where, I, I, Yeah, I've got one now. What do I do? I don't know. <laughs> so the sat there looking at it, thinking, oh, well, I should be printing so much more than I currently am, which is nothing." <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I think true. all I printed so far is the forty the forty millimeter box that comes in the uh, with the printer as its default test configuration. Yeah, little solid forty millimeter box. So, wow. Yep. there you Sounds go. Exciting. It is. It's fantastic. Is it boxy? It, it was not even a cube it's we'll not just... no, no no it's it's a small like it's like half a cube so half a cube and that's it yeah really? there you go anyway we digress let's move on to uh, the show proper shall we ok knowledge is power hide it well so if you cast your mind back to episode 75 which is our last only war episode we yeah. uh, stopped to describe briefly our only war campaign uh, or at least the characters in it and the basis for it and Uh, Further that, let's talk a little more about how our adventures in Only War went. It's actually, if I realise, it's coming back to 2012 now that we actually did Only War as well. Or maybe even earlier, because the last update to the beta was in 2012. So we we, we started playing during the The Only War beta, that's it. So, yeah, it's it's been a a good long while. But anyway, so um, when we first started, actually, I was running the game. So what happened was I, I originally ran... Just the module from the Only War uh, beta rule book to be a uh, just a, a one shot, just to quickly test the system out. Uh, and then what happened was, after we ran that one game and the main book came out, one of the players, Darren in the group, decided he wanted to actually run Only War, and rather than starting from scratch, he said he would pick up from basically where we left off. So, you know, his, his character became an NPC. My you know I, I then joined in with a new character as such, and that became our ongoing group so uh the first thing we'll talk about is our first adventure with me running the game so yeah. th- there will be spoilers here for against the savages, which is the uh uh the sample adventure in the beta rule book I think it's different in the main book, isn't it so yeah yeah, yeah. The, oh
1: it, mostly the same, but there were obviously there are lots of changes because they changed quite a bit of stuff yep. from the beta to the. Era.
0: That's it. So, uh, I mean, it's really designed to be a a jumping point off for a campaign because it it literally starts with uh, a a gazetteer for the world you're going to be basically uh, playing on, uh, which is called Skyrene, I believe that, right? Uh, um, Yes, Scrine, Scrine, that's it, is uh, the world. And then it starts off with the moment that the player carries actually land on the planet where they land under fire and you know orcs are in the process of attacking the imperial base they've landed in so they literally have to come out of their drop ships and start defending the compound straight away so yeah. I, I guess the typical adventure that is designed to give you a feel for the combat system from the very beginning uh, and of course that, that, that attack is quickly repulsed and then it becomes uh, a, a situation of going through learning this is what the base is about this is where it is this is what's this is who's here you know, I think one of the things that was early established was the fact that there was a road trader who was also part of the uh, the expeditionary force here, and the road trader had several um, much more powerful military vehicles than the uh, than the, the imperial guard had, that were all sort of decked out in gold and
1: uh, <laughs> brass, brass plating.
0: Yes, I think there was uh, multiple times during the game that, uh, given that given that we we're playing a penal legion. Yeah. I,
1: I remember in the first game, one of the characters, the rattling no less, decided to steal a bunch of the decorative brass plates off of some of the tanks.
0: Yeah, decorative brass armor. Yeah. So, so it was actually it wasn't it wasn't just removing decoration that was the crime. It was actually like you know de armouring the vehicle as well, even though it wouldn't have offered that much protection yes uh, and
1: then we had to lug that around for the rest of the adventure because he couldn't <laughs> get rid of it but he couldn't just dump it somewhere because he was scared that then well it wasn't so much he'd scared we'd get caught it was that he was scared that he wouldn't own it anymore
0: yeah that's it and I don't add like anyone else really wanted to buy I mean his, his whole yeah. thing was to sell it to somebody but we're, on a, we're in a war zone you know the rest in of the in a it. war
1: zone who's really going to want to buy scrap metal
0: <laughs> exactly uh, but anyway, so the, the, the regiment we were playing was a uh, line infantry. We, we we did get a... We were recon. Recon, that's right, yeah. So we, we we started off with a Chimera transport.
1: Yes,
0: and no driver. And no driver. Well, we, an NPC driver, I think, it was established. Yeah. Uh, but um, the thing was that I quickly learned the drawbacks to giving a group of player characters a tank in a game as such, you know, because that's what they effectively had. They had a tank and uh, after the sort of initial part where they're told okay well your job is to go to this Prometheum refinery and uh, basically relieve the troops there hold it until we can sort of catch up with you to, to help you defend against the, uh, the Orcs um, and here is the route you're supposed to take and off you go and according to the the module that's put in the book the first encounter the group uh, experiences is coming across a, a group of local natives you know people that basically live uh, but on the world and pretty much near the um, uh, near the side of the road the natives have like a small fortified structure and you know there's an opportunity there for the, the group to basically talk with them uh, find some more information talk with you them you know
1: and because it, it is almost like they don't know gamers
0: isn't it I know yeah and it's like so we have a tank and there is a freestanding object over there that is not part of our group, so we can just shoot that right, yeah, you know, so... Uh, <laughs>
1: so, someone just decided to open up on it with multi-laser.
0: Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, so, yeah, that that role-playing opportunity was quickly, you know, blasted away in a, in a hail of last fire, although I think you did actually let the people get out first or something, or threaten them, and you didn't actually There's, kill the If Someone yelled a
1: threat at them, they didn't respond straight away, so... It, like you know it's it's like saying come out with your hands up then three seconds pass and you open fire on it (laughs) that was essentially it um yeah didn't go particularly well after that because they weren't too keen on talking to us
0: yeah
1: and no one was particularly able to fix the damage that had been done so we just carried on our way with blind to the knowledge (laughs) that they had to help
0: anyway (laughs) so the, the module being written for any regiment uh the next sort of encounters it lays out are really only on foot encounters. You know, you're basically in the jungle being stalked by wild animals, which, when you're in a tank, is not that much of a concern. I mean, there's certainly a few wild animals in in 40k that will take on a tank. Oh, you know what we didn't mention during the news? Mike, sorry to digress. We didn't mention the Peter letter. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, we'll give
1: that its own section in a bit.
0: Okay, we'll talk about that at the end. Okay, make 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 sure we don't forget that before the end of the show as well, because yeah. that, that that's always good for a few lasts. Um, anyway, getting back to wild animals, yeah. So I mean, I had to come up with in the game the reasoning that okay, this is as close that as the tank can get to where you're going along the road. You know, the driver will stay with the tank or take it back to the base, and you guys like to continue on on foot. Yeah,
1: you created a reason we had to go there, which was um. There was a crashed Valkyrie. Yeah, down Valkyrie, that's right. Yeah, exactly yeah, right, yeah, yeah. That's
0: one of the other examples of things you can do there. So, um, yeah, you had, you had to leave the, the safety of the tank and continue on foot, uh, which, of course, led to the fact that, yeah, a group of terror cats attacks the party... the party... or the party, the, the squad. Um, all, all these D&D turns are coming straight back to me now, Mike, from bringing so much D&D. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, which is just reason for more combat, uh, followed by... Um, reaching the Valkyrie and, and rescuing the, the troops there. Uh, yeah. But then it's pretty much on to the refinery. And the refinery uh, is pretty much a case of there are a few orcs defending the refinery. So the first step is the, the player characters need to uh, overcome the orc defenders that have that taken control of the fi- refinery. Uh, and then they pretty much quickly find out that you know they then need to hold the refinery against an assault by Um, an orc war boss and his and his boys
1: which we thought was suicide because I remember throughout we were starting characters in only war yeah we were crap yeah For, for lack of a better word we were dreadful I remember engaging a single Gretchen in close combat as a commissar and not being able to kill it for like five rounds because I just kept missing because 30% Thirty of
0: hit chance. That—that is the uh, the drawback of the, you know these low powered games when you first start off as well. Yeah. So yeah, that being said, I mean the, the the setup in the module for the refinery is more one of like rather than we stand here and shoot and shoot and shoot, it's like how can we utilize the walls, the gate, the, the promethium, you, you know, heavy how, weapons. How can we you know turn our small force into a much stronger force when it comes to defending as such yeah. and so.
1: I just feel that it wasn't well put together in regards to what the characters had in ability-wise, because, for example, there's a heavy weapon mounted on a tower that you can use.
0: Yeah.
1: However, the only person who can use it is the heavy, who already has their own heavy, heavy weapon. weapon. yeah. Which is better than the heavy stubble that was attached there. So, yeah, it became a little bit of a wasted opportunity, I feel.
0: Yeah. So, at this point, yeah, the module pretty much goes into a standard... Uh, assault where, once again, rather than the orcs all just attacking the compound on mass,es you know they arrive in groups over time. So you know, yeah. like you, you w- pick w- them
1: off a little bit at a time. Yeah,
0: w- ways of combat.
1: Yeah, I just, to be honest, I just felt that it would have been bad put served if it had been. We turn up. There's a group of PDF forces who are obviously junior to the Imperial Guard. Yep. They're holding it, but they they're. they're Poorly in, they're poorly manned, badly injured, struggling along. You help control the resources and give them things to do to help you. Yeah, would have worked a bit better than just a single squad holding the refinery against all odds.
0: Yes, would be
1: great for space marines, not so great <laughs> for imperial,
0: especially when it's a uh, big mech. Is the final, uh, yeah. final opponent rise not the war boss? The war boss is for a future module, and such but the big mech certainly. Uh, is, it, is quite a tough opponent for starting level guardsmen as well. So, yeah. That being said, I mean, no one died. Yeah, everyone, everyone survived, but... Uh, anyway. Only through fudging.
1: <laughs> Only through shady dice rolls, and oh, we'll gloss over that fight because we're running out of time.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I suppose the key point is that we all enjoyed the first mission enough to want to actually... Yeah. Like, you know, when, when the full game came out, yeah, someone said, okay, let's keep playing that, and we'll literally pick up from where we left off. Yeah. At the refinery, well, I think that the plan in the in the book was basically to more say that the next step is preparing the refinery from the assault of the actual war boss, and I think that we started off by moving away from there really quickly. You want to get back yeah. to get back, back to, to basin base and that sort of stuff. So, um, but yeah, it was it was a, it was a good intro to Only War and a, and a good jumping off point for a campaign. So, you know, if you are thinking about starting off an Only War campaign, uh, you can get your hands on against the savages. I'm, I want to you know, I need to double check whether it's the same one that's actually in the. In the main, in the in the released main book, yeah. But let me uh, have a quick okay, Mike. Mike pu- pulling the book out now. Are you right there? You in hand or? Just need to stand up. No worries. Um, yeah, but I mean, the, the hot. I know that the this led into more stuff with the same war boss. So, I remember that was whether via a download. Yeah,
1: against the savages. Okay, okay so it is, it is
0: the same module in the in the core book as well. Then, so and I'm pretty sure there's a download which covers the second part of the same encounter with the. Um, uh, with the Orc War Boss. So, yeah, definitely yeah, a good a point sure. to, to set up a campaign. All right, well, that's really... Uh, we'll, we'll talk more about our Only War campaign in future episodes for want of other things to talk about. But yep. uh, for now, let's move on, shall we? Yes. All subjectants report to the administrator for career assignment. So, on to a career discussion or regiment discussion in the case of Only War now. And we're going to be talking about the Hunter Killer Regiment, which is a great name for a regiment. You know, say we're a Hunter Killer Regiment, but what does it actually mean? So, I guess the, the two defining features of a hundred killer regiment are that they tend to utilise light vehicles, but heavy firepower. Yeah, it's mobility
1: so, and, and
0: hard hitting. Yeah, exactly right. The, 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 generally speaking, these are not standard frontline troops. They are that they're, they're held in reserve, often by command, and then once you know, a hole has been punched in the front lines, they are sent in to rapidly take out key strategic targets. So you know, take down the enemy chain of command, you know, destroy this landing platform as such, you know. Something something of major advantage, which means that
1: they're also used in the case of taking out enemy armor. So if a heavy tank or a super heavy tank engages, they're usually used to come in and flank it and strike its weak sides.
0: Yeah, I mean, my observation of the Hunter Killer Regiment is that it's normally deployed strategically. Yes. So at some point, you know, before the battle begins, you know, there is actually a plan which says, we will do this, and then this will happen, and then we'll send in the Hunter Killer Regiment. Really, is a case of they're in the field just killing stuff, and they get a message saying... Hey, you guys, you're right near this objective. Can you guys go and deal with that? You know, that yeah, they are... They're know, deployed they're, strategically.
1: Yeah, they're glory
0: hounds. exactly right, yeah. And yeah. it means that they have the best stories. out of, yeah. you know. <laughs> out and of then order. we came in and
1: killed <laughs> the, the, the Gargan.
0: Yeah. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, so, in terms of their traits, they're a, a cost-free regiment, so not out of the ordinary yeah. there. Uh, they get plus three ballistic skill, but minus three strength. So... They are definitely more of a even though they are sort of heavily engaged force they're more of a a shooty rather than a stabby type uh engaged force they get operate surface which fits with the fact they often have light uh light equipment in terms of vehicles and they get resistance fear which is relatively rare for imperial guard uh and then equipment wise they get the choice of either one sentinel scout walker or one hellhound support tank per squad so, I mean, how would you run it if you literally had one person in a, in a scout walker and everyone else on foot?
1: Um, I suppose it would come down to the other people. The, the scout walker would be your hard-hitting thing or yep. the thing that distracts the enemy while they hit it and plant explosives all over it, shoot in the back, do whatever they have to do. So they still
0: stay together as a group, but it's, it's, I, it's more it's, its more like extra firepower within that group as within such. Within
1: that group. It's, it's more like a... a a heavy individual,
0: heavy trooper in say a squad of marines. Yeah, I, I mean for that reason, I'd actually say that um, I'd probably put preference on an operator over a heavy because the operator can still bring heavy firepower yeah. with with that walker, as such or with the, obviously you've got the hellhound tank you've automatically got it. Literally heavy firepower there, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that, that's that's where that really comes from. And, and I wouldn't. They're not, they're not a scout walker in this case. They're more of a an assault walker than they get a, you know, a scout walker. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to building a 100 uh, Killer Regiment, looking through some of the home worlds, I think that a, a really great one is Fortress World, yeah. you know, even though there's one less Fortress World now. Uh, but yeah, they get too soon, Mike. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, they get uh, increased their ballistic skill and also the option of Nerves of Steel, which I think fits in with the whole Resistance Fear, heavily engaged frontline troops, basically. Yeah. Uh, highborn is a possibility, even though there's no mechanical benefits, that it might fit the fluff of. You know, these are you the. Know, they get to, they get to go in after the hard work's been done to claim all the glory. Claim all the glory. That's yeah. it. Yeah, they,
1: they get to write on the side of their Scatwalker how many super heavy tanks
0: they've just. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hive world maybe a good choice world for, mainly for the higher agility, but yeah, you know, I think it also fits into the aesthetic of uh, of the hundred killer troops. Forge world. Yeah, um, or scholar virginium. Yeah. Um, once again, high ballistic skill, unshakable faith. If if they're if they're Devotion is driven by faith as much as by skill. they are sort of be looking at it. Or the Ogre
1: in world. Oh, yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> makes it, yeah. Makes that
1: minus three strength completely
0: irrelevant. That's <laughs> yeah, it. They're, they're deployed strategically, just not their own strategy. Yes. <laughs> Someone else thought of how to, how to utilize them. Commanding yeah. um, Officer, I'd say probably something like Coleric uh, for Rapid Reaction. Uh, fixed give you the command skill because once again they're sort of looked up to by other Imperial Guard or phlegmatic just for common law war once again should represent that experience Uh, in terms of equipment and doctrines I mean we've already gone through a couple of different scout type uh, forces and such in what we've discussed and so Uh, this is not this this is not not the type they're more like demolitions would be a good would be a good fit and
1: um, grenadiers
0: yes definitely Yeah, or well provisioned Yes. As well, would we, we, you know, sort of once again fit there the status.
1: Good armor, more explosives. Yes. Grenades are your friend for this, this regiment type. You want yep. to be able to throw crack grenades on tanks, deal with large massed infantry, which is going to attempt to dislodge you from wherever you're blowing up. Yeah.
0: Yeah, crack grenades. In terms of favoured weapons, both basic and heavy, I mean, I thought this is the sort of unit that's really going to be pre- preferringing towards plasma or melter-based weaponry. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that sort of... That, that they're quickly deployed to the front via their tank or via their scout walker, and then they still pack quite heavy firepower at close range, especially with the melter guns and such. So, yeah, melter gun, multi-melter, plasma gun, plasma cannon. Possibly also a grenade launcher, just for versatility. I mean, you can get missile launchers, your standard pick anyway. Um, or combat shotgun, you know. But why have a combat shotgun when you? It's reasonable for you to have a plasma gun, unless you don't like getting burnt by your own gun. I I
1: think melt gun is probably your best choice. Yeah, Yeah. it's got the
0: range is similar to a shotgun anyway. So yeah,
1: I I think that if you're going to be a hunter killer unit, you're probably going to need to take out big heavy things. Yes. Now even landing platforms, a couple of melt gun shots to the supporting struts should take care of things.
0: Yep in terms of specialties uh, we've already covered the operator it's definitely a good one uh, heavy is an alternate option as well, or, or both potentially especially when you use those, those weapons yeah. uh, or weapon specialists to get the lighter versions and the, the melting gun plasma gun a sergeant you know this is sort of this is sort of one yeah, I mean any squad benefits you from a need sergeant some
1: sort of commanding officer for this particular one to yeah. interpret the rules of engagement that you've been given by your commanding officer exactly the, right higher ranking commanding officer
0: yeah in terms of advanced specialties stormtrooper tech yeah, priest yeah, uh, tech priest or commissar yeah. you know, commissars like to be heavily engaged yeah. Yeah, so the yeah, more they're not
1: going to have to do too much in a group which has got resistance fit exactly hopefully <laughs> um, but tech priest I'd say because demolition skills are going to be up there yeah. they're going to probably have the intelligence and the tech use to be able to figure out what they've got to do to disable whatever it is they've got to disable
0: or set whatever they're set yes yes yeah. And we'll be talking about that more when we talk about our own war campaign when it comes to explosives.
1: Yes, plus they'll be able to fix the scatwalk or the hellhound if it he gets damaged and not destroyed, which in the case of a hellhound is unlikely because if it gets damaged generally explodes and kills
0: all you guys. <laughs> uh, okay, so a couple of points on, on role playing within a hundred killer unit. I mean, your characters are pretty much regarded as the best of the best, uh, and they probably know that. You know, that they, they are that they, they get all the best assignments. They get all the glory at the end of the battle, as such, you know, and, and others look up to them. And surely, there must be no, you know, aggression or, or uh, Absolutely no, no. It's, yeah, because and they're I'm clearly sure, the best.
1: And I'm sure that at no stage do they ever get sent to do a mission, being told, "When we do this, the enemy will do this, then you do this." Yep. And at no stage ever does do it go they, wrong. does it go wrong yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that the supporting troops who are supposed to draw the enemy fire for the next six hours I'm yep. totally happy doing that <laughs> and at no stage should the enemy suddenly not fall for the trap because we all know that Imperial Guard traps are just so genius and cunning
0: that's it uh, so what you will have with these sort of characters is war stories yep. lots of war stories and uh, you know it'd be, it'd be a fun role playing point anytime something goes wrong be able to go this reminds me of that time back on you know Tharis Prime when yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just like Ferris Prime, saving your ass again, Jones.
0: That's it. <laughs> uh, And I guess a unit which is used strategically will probably start to think strategically as well. Uh, I mean, in in combat, you know, tactics are what we're doing right now. But your strategy is the the long the long game, the goal, or such. You know, so yeah. they'll they'll get a feel for looking past the current orders towards what is the objective of this current theatre as such and how can we better achieve that so.
1: I think the other thing to remember is that there's a high attrition rate in these sorts of units yes they may be the best of the best and they get lots of medals that also means they get shot at by lots of things yeah. and lots of stuff goes wrong and if they destroy that ammo dump it's going to attract a lot of attention from the enemies who best be able to get out of there quickly
0: you, so, give, me, you give me an idea for a plot now Mike we'll be talking about plots in a second but you give me an idea for one too so. I mean
1: you're going to be going through a lot of henchmen and sorry companions yes <laughs> and you're going to be going through a lot of PCs probably yeah keep
0: that in mind alright then so that's the of the Regiment I think one of the more interesting ones to play oh, yeah in definitely. the very, very lot so especially from the main book too uh, you get a lot more sort of weird ones in the other books but in the main book yeah it's an interesting one to play from and not that expensive to put together either yeah. so alright let's keep going Attention, loyal servants of the Imperium. Stand by to receive orders. Okay, Mike. So a plot hook, and this is what you've just uh, what you just give me. So, uh, in in any only war campaign, or in, in the Imperial Guardian, Let's take it out of the role playing game. There is a high attrition rate. You know, a lot of people die. You know, units are constantly getting reinforced. Uh, you know, people are constantly being replaced. So, as a GM. You could start thinking about with the regiment that your group is now coming into for your first session, or you know if there's been a high number of character turnover suddenly. What's the hazing ritual involved in that? You know, so uh, it, it could just be something sort of you know harmless activity back at base, but I mean, forty um, k is pretty it's pretty grim dark. Yeah. So I can I can see that you know some hazing rituals in this in this setting could turn pretty deadly. So you know, the so thing about say, so, so what sort of stuff could a to, could a regiment do to a, a bunch of new recruits coming into it that would be interesting in the a, in a context of a role-playing game? What would you think, Mike? Oh,
1: anything with small, venomous animals, yeah. if you, especially if you're uh, from Cat's Um I don't
0: know. Yeah, I mean, obviously... R- r- I have not really r- thought
1: about it, but, yeah, I suppose hazing rituals were a huge part of military life. Where uh, uh, countries uh, want uh,
0: them to be on. Yeah, I don't know whether the would admit to that. You know, so. yeah, I probably would have. But the simple
1: fact is they are. Yeah.
0: Um or you look at you look at the stories of um, of modern navies having crossing the equator rituals. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you can see the Imperial Guard having first time in the warp rituals or. Yeah. yeah. Um.
1: First, first landing zone rituals. Yeah. And all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, they'd have that sort of thing. They'd, I suppose it goes on to what sort of various traditions do they have into worship the emperor? Because you know, it's certainly not standardised across the entire Imperium.
0: And it could be quite based upon the world they've come from as well, right there, yeah, where, yeah. Where, where they were first raised from. So, yeah, um, but yeah you can certainly, I, mean, I, I maybe look at the homeworld option for example. So, um, I don't know, a, a, a fortress worlders might be given the task to you know, hold this point when they know there's people coming in or that they know this force is going to attack and it might be a point which is not actually strategically important but they want to see how well they can actually just doggedly hold a point even when, even against great odds. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Whereas I mean, a prison
1: world, they may just gather in a circle and watch each other beat the crap out of each
0: other. Yeah, that's that's always another good a good option as well. Is is <laughs> just, well, just good old fist. fist yeah, and, fist. and with gambling too, because they, oh, they, they had to bet on the results. Yeah, yeah. it's not otherwise not interesting. Yeah. yeah. So maybe just as a suggestion for your own only war campaign, when your group first starts off, think about how are they welcomed to the uh, to the battle zone by their fellow by their fellow soldiers. Yes. All right. Let's get going revere the omnisia for it is the source of all power okay so since we mentioned it during our hunter killer discussion we may as well have a quick talk for our war gear section about the hellhound tank yes. and its variants because it does say it does specify in the book that hunter killer regiment had a hellhound or or variants and such yeah. so the the hellhound is interesting to me because you can see how this is really based on what was really used in uh world War II. in world in World War two in the Vietnam War as well you know was the fact that uh flame flame throwers are not traditionally long range weapons yep. uh but they can be a very effective weapon when it comes to creating terror uh in, in your enemy as well and uh
1: and driving forces out of bunkers and
0: yeah cover exactly right and and yeah, yes, a man can carry a, f- a flamethrower, you know, but then again, a tank can carry a lot more flame behind it as well. Yeah. And you know, it, it a man with a flamethrower is incredibly vulnerable because we've already covered this in earlier shows. They get singled out. You know, if they do, if they do get taken alive, they rarely get kept alive because you know they've inflicted such terror. Uh, but I mean, a tank. Yeah, I mean, yes, a tank full of Promethium is also a a minor explosion hazard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> minor. <laughs> but it does, uh, it, it does have the benefit of a bit of extra armor just, as Just well. like
1: a effects is a minor inconvenience. <laughs>
0: That's it. Uh, so your standard Hellhound uh, comes in three patterns. Uh, your Mars pattern, your Artemia pattern, and your greyer pattern. Uh, and it really just comes down to the crew complement and how much space is given over to uh, your team storage so I think the, there's also a,
1: a chem version as well well
0: that's a, that's a different variant altogether so we're talking about ah. patterns of the hellhound specifically does it
1: just say patterns
0: or does it say variants? so so it, it says different variants it says different variants
1: so you yeah. might be able to
0: have yeah so there's name. the bane wolf is the chem is the chem version yeah. we'll come, we'll come back to that one so uh, so the point of the the hellhound here is that it's based on a chimera frame yeah. um, the Mars pattern is particular in that it's very hard to pick out the differences uh, between the standard um, uh, Chimera and the Hellhound. Which is Uh, good. Yeah, because it doesn't have extra Prometheum tanks strapped to the outside that give it away. Uh, So, yeah, once again it makes it harder for them to be singled out and targeted with head weapons until they actually start flaming Start shooting. That's it, When they start
1: shooting it becomes very obvious.
0: (laughs) That's it. Uh, And then the main difference between the Artemia and the Greyer is that the Artemia has a um, remote controlled turret as such, so the crew... Simply control the turret from within the within the chassis, whereas the the Greyer has a a crewman that actually sits in the turret, mainly operates like a conventional World War Two tank, basically. Yeah. Uh, and you know, as a even though it's a Chimera frame, any cargo space it had that might have carried troops is completely given over towards Promethium storage. So the drawback there being that um, uh, if, you, if you, if you yeah, if, if you pick a regiment that has a Hell a Hellhound, they're not riding in it. It is. Supporting them in what they're doing, basically. And so
1: stand behind it for cover.
0: Yeah, or right on top of it potentially. Or right on top. Provide cover for
1: the
0: tank. A blade of armor armor. Exactly right. Yeah, it's semi-reactive almost. Um,
1: Depends if they're carrying grenades. Yes. The
0: uh, the the standard armament is an inferno cannon uh, with a heavy bolter. Although you can swap the heavy bolter for a heavy flamer for just even even more flame. Although the uh, likewise the standard armament, the secondary armament on these tanks is not. Um uh Sorry, co-a- right. not not coaxial, so you basically only fire it straight ahead, yeah, uh, I always can go anyway uh then you've got your actual variants so we've already mentioned before there is the Banewolf. wolf, yeah. and the Banewolf wolf basically replaces the uh the, the inferno cannon with a ken cannon um which is yeah like, even, uh, more even more deadly you know uh, even
1: mixed with toxic chemicals
0: that's right yeah, you know so your flesh slows off in you know, <laughs> in in many put- in in messy puddles you know. Uh, yeah really quite a quite a horrible weapon to, to be deployed but you know the, the Imperium's not past it at all yeah. uh, and then the other variant basically is the Devil Dog which pretty much just uses a uh, Melter Cannon as opposed to an Inferno Cannon so yeah. once again Inferno Cannon has limited ef- effect against hardened targets but your melted cannon's going to mean that you can, you know, go up against other tanks um, quite effectively as well. It, it, it makes it a lot closer to an emulator, for example. Yeah. Uh, so.
1: it, it comes down to what you're using it for, what the mission is, as to which tank's going to be better. Yeah. A common mission for, you know, hunter killers would be to go and strike an enemy bunker. Yep. You use the the Hellhound tank to flush the uh, command squad out of the bunker, and then you guardsmen run gun them down, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Or yeah. you use... Or just watch while they run out burning. Yeah, or you just <laughs> go up there with your, uh, your... your melter cannon variant and punch giant great big holes into the side of the bunker. Isn't as effective, I suppose. Yeah. Um, more effective against a tank, though. If your hunter-killer mission is to take out an enemy vehicle of some kind... Hellhound's not quite as useful as the uh, melter cannon.
0: Yeah. So, in short, if you want to be an absolute terror on the battlefield... You know, that, that people run away from or, or actually fear then you know the, the Hellhound or its variants are a nice way to go because yeah. you know there's very few things in the battlefield are worse than burning to death I would think yeah
1: yeah Wow. In the 40k battlefield they're probably the worst things like <laughs> captured alive by Dark Elder yeah eaten by Tyranids
0: that's true anyway let's keep going okay my lord the information you requested is now available for your review okay so for our uh review today, we're actually doing another preview, and this time we're talking about uh, Warhammer 40k Inquisitor Martyr yep. from Neocore Games. Uh, the game is still in alpha at the moment, they have got a release date listed as 2017. Uh, and I
1: think that's a bit adventurous. Ambitious, you think? Yeah, I think that's a little ambitious. Okay, so
0: I've had a chance to play the alpha. Um, there was just a major, major update to it recently, but before we get into that, let's talk about so, Mike, you're a Diablo fan? Yes. Okay, so for those who are unfamiliar, how would you best describe Diablo's gameplay mechanic? Uh,
1: mouse and four buttons. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's point and click. Yeah, so it's, you, you use the mouse to move, you use the mouse to do your, your basic attacks. You can use the keyboard shortcuts for special attacks, which you can have a few loaded up. It's got a standard sort of skill tree system. Um, it's pretty basic. I mean, uh, when Diablo came out, which was what? Twenty-five years ago, like
0: that, yeah. yeah,
1: maybe longer. Um, it was definitely ahead of its time when it first came out. Diablo one. Since then, they've had Diablo two, Diablo three, and they've all kept the same sort of core mechanic because it works. And there have been plenty of what they call Diablo clones, uh, games like Sacred, Sacred two, Van Helsing, which NeoCore have done.
0: Yeah,
1: it's very simplistic gameplay.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's isometric. Um, 3D view as such. Well, I'm going to say for, for those of those of you who don't know, understand a little about technical technical uh, representation, it's actually an orthogonal view rather than than, than a um, isometric view. But oh, uh, really? yeah, it is. But anyway, What's <laughs> <the perspective? laughs> is it is it an isometric view? Is presented from a 30 30 to 60 degree angle? And an orthogonal view is shown from a 45 degree angle. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... Big difference. <laughs> anyway, Glad you cleared that up. Exactly right. Uh, anyway, the, um, uh, the the gameplay base, yeah, you, you have a, a roughly top-down view of your character um, and real-time, point-and-click, slack, hack-and-slash uh, with, with role-playing elements. So, you know, characters have gear, you have different weapons, you have different armour, you have different abilities you can trigger, and the Diablo s- sort of design has been copied multiple times you know i mean if you go into games like even like hellgate london which was which was a diablo style but in a first-person shooter as well you know so um but yeah i've seen it done as like Greek, ancient greek gods as one of the styles i've seen it done as various things but anyway you've you've taken the diablo concept and now applied the 40k universe to it and that we have inquisitor martyr uh so the game now is in founding access so if you pre-order copy the game now you get access to both the alpha and the beta gameplay. The alpha gameplay, up until the release date, which I was playing, was basically... They had a few levels unlocked, and when I say levels unlocked, there was no storyline, no campaign. It was just you appear in the level, and it was just fight until you kill everything, or everything kills you. Uh, And you can play two of the different characters. One was the Crusader, which is basically your typical Inquisitor-looking guy um, with with power armor, either... You know, the different... Well, at the time you only had the one weapon option um, or you had the assassin, you know, the lithe female 40k assassin. Uh, they've since updated the game so you now get a character creation screen as such w- in which only the crusaders is unlocked but you can now pick of three different equipment types. So basically the close combat Crusader, the um, assault Crusader or the heavy weapon Crusader. So, uh, you yeah, know, the options there are basically either sort of a sword and storm shield, an auto gun, or a uh, heavy heavy oh. bolter, you know. So, uh, and then you go into a sort of uh, space view where you can pick your mission and, and, and go. Once again, just go and kill things. The storylines not implemented. Uh, Mike, you've had a look at it now. So, what are your thoughts, Your initial impressions after just seeing the alpha?
1: Um, the styling is very forty k. You know, there's skulls on everything and iconography and purity seals, and everything looks
0: forty k. Yeah, I mean, you it like the fact that one of the equipment options for the Crusader had what looked like giant cathedral windows on the sides of his pa- power well, his shoulders. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's stuff
1: like that that makes 40k. The yep. ridiculous costumes and the purity seals everywhere. It's a big part of it. And it looks right. Gameplay looks like it plays like Diablo but until they implement more stuff you can't really tell. Um, hopefully they do gear in a good way. I don't want to see you know bolt guns of plague bearer slaying
0: <laughs> which is not really going to fit quite right sir. so my, here's my concern with the gear side because right now the, the gear system isn't in you can, you can pick up gear but you can't change a gear for example that, I, that I've found in the, the build I'm currently playing um, is that they've done a lot of work on the base character models yeah. one of the things I like about like Diablo 3 which i have been playing in recently is that you make a character and you look like a weak same level character and as you get better and better gear, your character looks t- tougher and tougher, basically, yeah. The characters already look, you know, fully done up from character creation in, in Marder, so I've certainly seen games like this in the past where the gear you put on is just mechanical. There's no cosmetic impact to that at all, Which, yeah, except with weapons, maybe, for example. But I hope it's not like that. I, I, I do hope that, I mean, I, I like these games to have fully realised gear upgrade systems with a cosmetic um effect of that was well, such
1: I remember in Diablo 1 it did upgrade your gear but it was a set path of how your gear looked yeah Didn't that's right yeah. what chest piece you put on if you were wearing a better than stone label chest piece you went to the tier 2 chest piece you know tier 2 look of your character yeah. tier 3, tier 4 and they changed that with Diablo 2 where different hats had a different look when you were wearing them and again further again in, in Diablo three with even more and now you've got colour customization to what your gear looks yeah, like. Trans- I mean, yeah, trans mortification all that sort of thing. Yeah. Um hopefully they go for at least a Diablo two star. Um would be definitely preferable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, having played it now in Alpha, uh, it's I, I couldn't sit here and keep replaying it because it's really just going to level and just kill or be killed. There's no storyline. I I like that having the whole sort of the story and campaign to support the gameplay and anything in 40k has got to be you know fun and interesting yeah. um it, it's been taxing on my computer you know more than once i've had my machine uh freeze up with a gpu overheat issue uh while, while playing the game i, mean, I don't think I, I mean i've got a 970 gtx so it's not it's an older car but it's not completely yeah, and
1: i have to say the graphics weren't turned up that high i think it's just
0: alpha build issues at yeah. the moment well my, my main problem with it was especially when we were playing it before and I was fighting the, the noble dreadnought was that I couldn't see my character e- everything in the screen was muted shades of brown yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like yeah. I can see what my pointer is I'm just going to keep clicking on the bad guy and hopefully my guy's somewhere nearby swinging his swinging his force sword so yeah. or his power sword um, but yeah no, I, I, I've got a lot of hopes for this game you know I think that it, the 40k universe mixed with the Diablo style gameplay is a is a is a winning mix, uh, and they've they've got a long way to capture this egg, and that's a big deal for anything forty k wise in computer games. I think. Yeah. I mean, Dawn of War three is the other big forty k game coming out this year. Um,
1: we've also got necro- the new Necromunda. Oh, that's
0: right. Yeah. Rise. So so yeah. The, so the same mob, I think that did you did have announced is, they're doing
1: Necromunda yep. next.
0: Yeah. Which while I'm,
1: still also they've, they've actually been releasing stuff from all Time Steel. Yeah. Okay. Warband yeah. so.
0: Because Mortheim's gotten great reviews as well. Oh, so Mortheim's excellent.
1: Yep. The only problem I have with More Time, it's very difficult.
0: Yeah, well.
1: It's not the sort of game where you can just walk in and, oh, you're going to win your first... No, you're going to lose limbs and eyes and things if you've got quite a lot until they're good enough to actually do anything.
0: Yeah, uh, so I'd love to see them do well. I, I don't know what the release date for the uh, Nick and Run again is, but I'd, I'd like to. I have
1: no idea. Uh, they did a few announcements at a, a European gaming convention. Mm. And, yeah, and once
0: again, great. I mean, they, they're... they're Given this license, everybody. I mean, um, Neocore Games, who's doing the Martyr game. I mean, they've previously worked on a bunch of games, based on on King Arthur and King Crusade, and also a Van Helsing series. Um, but yeah, they they're but they're, they're based in in Budapest, in Hungary, um, and uh, yeah, so that's.
1: Yeah. I just hope that the game's not riddled with
0: English. Yeah, <laughs> I ha, ha, it haven't appeared to be so far, anyway. It, that the. It,
1: from what I remember of Van Helsing, which I have played, yep. it wasn't. And I vaguely recall in Van Helsing that the gear did affect the way your character model looked.
0: Yeah, the only thing I, I noticed is when I was buying the game that uh, I was looking at the the, the the cost options for it, and there was like you know, so there's a base cost. I think from memory about twenty US dollars to get you just the base game, and there was like a forty US dollar one to get you the game plus some additional you know digital uh, content for the game as well and then the next one up was like 200 US dollars and that was to actually get physical stuff as well like a a, a 40k style chalice and you know it's like wow and that, 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 that escalated quickly and the next one's like 500 US dollars which includes a trip to well you don't have to pay your own way there but you can go to the office in Hungary and have a have a, have, a, have a tour and that sort of stuff and wow <laughs> yeah. ok yeah, that's, that's a bit extreme yeah that's it you know, it, ma- it makes my spending what, $250 on uh, Eternal Crusade seem paltry by comparison so yeah. <laughs> anyway keep an eye on um, on Martha as it goes forward I think that, uh, that they'll do very well with that and uh, hopefully it turns into the sort yeah, of game I, we hope it will be
1: I, so, so long as it remains polished
0: yep. and
1: they stick to the winning style which is Diablo style gameplay with 40k graphics yeah. and, and
0: looks. So, m- well. so, so Mike, for, for future future 40k games, what would you think of a, of a 40k tower defense game? 40k tower
1: defense? <laughs> yeah, you could do that. Yeah, on your you phone, yeah, you know. waves and waves <laughs> of orcs or tyrannies or whatever. Yeah, you could yeah. do that.
0: That's it. Patent pending. Patent pending. Patent pending. <laughs> Different
1: skins for what you're defending. Races, you know, Necrons or Imperials.
0: That's it. Yeah. All right, let's get going. The ignorance is a blessing. The data you requested is unavailable. Okay, so final discussion time, and we're talking about retconning. Uh, yeah. the classic retcon. That's it. So, I mean, retconning has both uh, good. There, there are good and bad reasons to retcon. Uh, so, okay. Let's start with what retconning is. Retconning, if you're not familiar, starts uh, stands for retroactive continuity, um, which is, for whatever reason in the game, you decide to uh, make a change, uh, you know, to do something that effectively invalidates something in the past. E-e- either it directly, i.e. simply say that didn't happen, or that happened differently, or indirectly by saying that, yes, what that person told you that you thought at the time was the truth was actually a lie... Even though at the time you originally did it, it wasn't a lie, you know, it, it, it just made more sense later on to change it, around it, the... It
1: can be anything from The Young and the Restless, the part of Dr. Dre More <laughs> will now be played by Bob Jones, <laughs> or, you
0: know,
1: The Inquisitor has always had red hair.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, there have been, there have been some, some fantastically bad examples of retconning in, uh, yeah, in media, etc. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't remember what, what show it was. from One of those sort of eighties, sort of like not Young and the Restless, but maybe one of those sort of shows had something in the eighties where they killed, they literally killed a character off, you know, killed yeah, yeah. on screen, yeah. and then it was just it was so poorly reviewed by the audience that they really loved that character that at the end of that season they basically said, "Oh no, that was actually just a, yeah. a, a bit, the whole season was, it was a bad dream." That, that was another, uh, another character had, and Dallas. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that and that person was actually alive and well. Yeah, you a Yeah. They even made
1: fun of it in The Family Guy with that, that Atomic Wasteland episode.
0: <laughs> so yeah, it, 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 it's happened a lot of times oh, in, yeah. Yeah. and, and yeah, you know, a lot of films do it indirectly as well. Like just, and a, you know sp- what?
1: This is the core cool thing I'm going to say. Hmm. If you're a deep G- GM and you're playing this, if you've ever watched anything and they've done that, and you've gone, "That's terrible," that is the reason why you don't do it much, That's unless boring. you can absolutely not help
0: it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so let's start off with what are some what are some good ways to use retconning, though? Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll start with an example. So uh, let's just say uh, we're playing a game session and uh, we get to a point where everybody sort of is out there at the end of the game session and at the next game session, one person can't make it. And rather than having their character be led around by the nose or controlled by the gym, you say, oh, actually, no, that person actually has gone back to... Reporting or they're, they're,
1: they've just received yeah. a radio call asking them to come back.
0: Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And, and
1: another good example of retconning. Yeah. Um, you're playing a character such as say you're playing in the new Star Wars game. Yes, you're playing a bounty hunter. The new bounty hunters books just come out, and you go, "Wow, I wish I could have taken." I,
0: I totally would have taken that if it was available at character creation. Yeah, yeah. In which case, yeah. In which case, you look at it
1: and you go, well, "Did any of the abilities you've actually used affect the game drastically?" Like, if you didn't have that ability, the whole party would have died. If that's not the case, you can just
0: say, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, and I think that's one of those places where a rules record like that is something as a gem I've always allowed in the past. It's yeah. to say that, you know, at any point in time, if you need to... If something comes out that you would have taken and you need to do a rebuild to get to that, then I'm happy to support that, you know, and everybody will just sort of assume... That, oh, yeah, he was like that all along. Yeah. It just never came up up until this point, you know. Yeah. Um, okay, so... What are some bad times you might retcon?
1: One of the plays does something absolutely ridiculously moronic that gets everyone killed. And you say no, it didn't happen. The play didn't slap the, prince, the vampire prince of the city in the face. Or shoot the cop for no reason or whatever it was that
0: they yeah did. I mean if you if you're looking at retcon because a player <laughs> has been trying to destroy the game then your problem is, is actually a lot worse than the need to retcon you've got a, a, a problem player there as such yeah. um, I mean I find that um, when it happens to me and it's happened quite quite a few times to me in the past especially with relation to my Scion game so my Scion game's now been going on for nearly four years uh, and you know every now and again I'll come up with something and I'll go oh you know Blah blah blah. This happens, and someone also go, "Oh, but that's just like when something happened in the past." I'm like, "Oh, complete forgot that was like three years ago. I forgot I'd done that." You know, now I need to try and think of a way to actually make it so that those two things happening to, at the same time, or have having both happen now, make sense. You know, it's like, "Oh, uh, you are the chosen one," but someone told me three years ago, "I was the chosen one." Oh, that's yeah, that's right. Yes, you that are that's the a chosen. Different prophecy. Yeah, different prophecy. You're the chosen two. You know. <laughs> Um, so yeah it, 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 at the end of the day it is a often used by me because I don't take good notes you know, I, 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 I'm shocked James I'm that, that's
1: a revelation
0: <laughs> there all, all my notes are mental <laughs> uh, but yeah so I mean I've certainly seen it happen in other games where um, the GM certainly wants to take the story in a different direction and what we've done up until that point doesn't really support that direction and I've had the GM say look guys I really want to do this differently with the game um, rather than sort of stopping are you happy to sort of take it as read that that what we th- had previously happened didn't happen this is now the situation um, you know the other, I think lazy GMs also often will say oh and this person turns up and like, but they died you know, several sessions ago so yes. yeah. Um, oh
1: they weren't
0: really dead so I mean how do you how do you curb it what, what do you need to do other than note taking to um, uh, to try and avoid retconning in a game
1: do you want to know the best best way of doing it? Yep. Write out the salient points of your campaign before you start it.
0: Before you start the whole campaign? Yes. Okay.
1: If, someone, if your Inquisitor is secretly a heretic, have that written down at the beginning of the campaign.
0: Yeah.
1: Or at least have a plausible way of having him hidden that for this long.
0: Yeah, well, that, that, you raised a good point there because I've said in the past how much fun it is when you suddenly reveal something to the players and go, aha, this, this was a bad all along. And you play, sit there and think back, and, oh, yeah, when this happened, that, that you know, we, we saw the signs, but we just missed it, you know, when they suddenly had that, that penny drop moment where everything suddenly makes sense. It's a lot less fun when they go, but hold on a second, if he was at like that all along, he wouldn't have done this. That makes no sense. Yeah. You know, so...
1: <laughs> if he was really a secret... Nurgle heretic all along why did he destroy that potent demon weapon of Nurgle which would have helped him at this exact point have something like ah he turned heretic after destroying the Uh, weapon because the demon released from the weapon did whatever So, so have some sort of idea about what's happened in the past and go okay well why did they do that if it's now like
0: this? So this whole conversation is making a mockery of my earlier attempts in the show to talk about how, you know, when you think of something new, you should just make it look like that was always the case. And how, you know. There's
1: nothing wrong with that, yeah. so long as it fits. Yeah. If you've taken even reasonable notes, <laughs> as in written stuff down at any point, you, you can just go back and you can just go, okay, well, will it work? Because if it doesn't, well, change it. Yeah. You know? You can retcon in a good way. Yeah. You know, like I said, oh, the Inquisitors always had red hair all along, and then ten adventures down the track, a child with red hair turns up. But if you say, oh, the Inquisitors always had red hair all along, and then that same adventure, a child with red hair turns up, Mm. it makes it a bit too obvious.
0: Yeah, it's it's a Chekhov's gun type problem, as well. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. You know,
1: if you if you want to describe him as always having had red hair. Just the next time you describe him in a, in an adventure, just describe him with red hair. And if they say anything, say, "Oh no, it's always been red."
0: When you check your notes. Oh, you must have written it down wrong. You must. you yeah. yeah. oh, <laughs> it must have
1: just looked blonde in that light.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, what about as a player? I mean, if you're a player and you your gym, you know, choose to something, I mean, do you? How do you find that as a player when that happens?
1: Um, I'll be honest. Your best bet is just go with it. Yeah. I mean, unless it's really going to screw up what you've built your character around, in which case, don't don't blur it out in front of everyone. It, it makes the GM look
0: like. Well, it. I mean, it goes back to the let's take it out of storyline, take it back to rules for a second. There's always the usual advice: is if the GM makes a rules call, even if it's wrong, just go with it. You know, because you know the, the GM is the the arbitrator and the game's still flowing. So
1: you know what you've you, what you've that the home planet that my character comes from was destroyed. ...shortly after my birth... ...completely erases... ...most of my character background... ...and history... ...and the reason why I'm playing my character... ...the way I'm playing it... ...let them know that...
0: ...yeah... ...yeah I mean that's, that's the thing... I, ...I guess it comes down to good communication... Yeah. ...is is that some... ...GMs might try to push... ...retconning through... ...on the sly... ...hoping nobody notices that... ...that, you know, that, that was never the case previously... Yeah. ...and if it's going to cause a problem for you... ...like it invalidates part of your character... ...or it causes you to lose... ...connection with the world like you say don't just blurt it out but certainly I said GM you know like look, look, this this, okay. is, this has caused confusion is there a way that we can work on keeping the salient points the s- the still working uh, but yeah, without disrupting the game flow yeah, as it currently the, goes
1: just work with the GM at the end of the day if you're a player and the GM's done this and it's messed up your character content work with the GM the GM's messed it up the GM can help you fix it yeah Unfortunately, it puts a bit of work on the GM in
0: that case, but, well, they've decided to do that. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, I'll be honest. When I, I, I went and saw the last Resident Evil film recently, oh, okay. and, and I know you just want to see it, so I'm, I'm not going to spoil it, but, I mean... My, I know the, there's a
1: massive retcon right at the beginning.
0: Yeah, but but for me, the main problem with it is is that it's it's a return adventure. You know, it's, it's going back to where it all started from as such, you know, and, and so little care was taken in the film to convey the sense that it was... The same environment as the first film and That Like literally one room. One room was the same. Everything else, like the geography of it, made no sense. The, um, yeah, it, 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 it was just frustrating that that so little care was given to actually lining up the points, the sets, the 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 aesthetics between the first film and the last film, when it was all about returning to where it all started. Yeah. Um, and like likewise, I mean, I, I can look at the film and say, okay, the twist in that film, I can guarantee you. Those twists had not been thought of when they made the first film. You know, they had they, they, been decided more recently, probably just when they am making this, when I writing the script for this film. It wasn't a grant; they, they didn't start Resident Evil One back in whatever it was and say, "We you know what we're going to make seven films, and this is going to be the, the storyline from 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 work, Go to Work." Yeah, you know, that,
1: that's the difference between something like that and something like The Sopranos, which they wrote I think the first four seasons before they started filming the first scene.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that worked you know. That so, worked. Well, yeah. it worked for the first four seasons anyway. <laughs> and um, then there's all went to hell pretty much
1: um, <laughs> yeah it, it's that sort of style though you're right yeah. Yeah, the, it, if you write out your campaign just the major points before you start it you won't have too much retconning problems if you don't but you take decent notes throughout you won't have too many retconning problems if you haven't followed either of those pieces of advice <laughs> I mean it's no one's fault sometimes you will have an excellent idea about a direction you want to take a campaign you're already running if it works and it'll fit do it a little bit of minor retconning won't go amiss if it's a massive change like you're playing a group of characters who are all under high of scum who were hired by the Inquisition to do this job against all odds you know sort of Ocean's Eleven style and you're doing your thing you're doing your thing you're doing your thing then suddenly you decide wow wouldn't it be great if they were all rejects from an Imperial Space Marine Legion? Okay, yeah. you're probably better off just starting a new game. Yeah, with that new concept, yep. because it's not going to work.
0: It all comes back to the five P's. Proper planning prevents poor performance. Yes. So <laughs> don't do it. Don't do what I do. Plan your games well in advance. Think of your, think of your, um, your twists and, and and prepare for them. And and I guess the other thing is that when you thought of a twist so far out, then you need to have that poker face. You need to be able to. To, you know, to, to to convince
1: them that it's always been that
0: way <laughs> exactly right yeah.
1: Yes, and I'll be honest if you're not particularly much of a note taker there's a good chance your players also aren't particularly <laughs> much of note takers
0: <laughs> uh, I, I don't know I mean I'll say in my sign game there's one player who writes everything down and I literally say at the start of the game hey could, we, could you please read out what happened last session <gasps> So, <laughs> nothing
1: wrong with that but maybe you should consider occasionally saying can I borrow your notes I just <laughs> want to see if your notes match my notes
0: well, but the problem is she writes everything in, like, different coloured pens. Oh. And it's really hard to look at sometimes. You know, she enjoys <laughs> it, you know, but it's hard to make out where does one thing start. Is that a different scene? Or is that just a different person talking? I'm not sure. So okay, yeah. No, all good.
1: And from a player point of view, just run with it. If it's co- going to cause big problems... Talk
0: about, talk about it afterwards. ...after the game. Yeah.
1: Let the GM know, and they'll probably help you
0: figure out a way to make it work. Yeah, no worries. Okay, then, let's, uh, let's move on. Yeah. All astropaths to the choir chamber message incoming. So, at this point in the show, we normally do our community section. We, we sort of talk about any information we've received, and, and we did get someone talking to us about. Uh, we, did, we did get Benj, our friend Benj, mentioning to us the Necromunda game, which you've already brought up, Mike, so I won't yeah. go into that. But rather than going through well, we had another reviews or comments, but I want to call your attention to something we mentioned earlier, which is the, uh, the recent open letter uh, from the People for Ethical Treatment of Animals. To um, Kevin Roundtree, the, the CEO of Games Workshop. And yes. I, I just happen to have a copy of that letter right here, so oh, I'm, I'm going yeah. to read it for Bartim um, without passing any, any particular judgment. So it says, Dear Mr. Roundtree, I'm writing to you on behalf of the People for Ethical Treatment of Animals, or Peter, to ask that you consider removing fur garments from your Warhammer characters at the next opportunity. From the mighty Lehman Russ to Horus Lupercal to Chaos Warriors and the Sisters of Silence. Warhammer features an abundance of characters who wear what appear to be animal pelts, which just doesn't add up. These battle hardened warriors are known for their martial prowess, but wearing the skins of dead animals doesn't take any skill. Indeed, nothing on the bloody battlefields of Warhammer's war turned world could match the horrified reality that foxes, minks, rabbits, and other living beings experience at the hands of the fur trade. Those killed for their fur typically first endure a bleak life inside a tiny, Filthy wire cage before being electrocuted, drowned, or even skinned alive, or maybe So, or they may be outminding their business and get caught in horrific bone-crushing steel-jaw traps, often languishing for days before dying of hunger, thirst, or blood loss. And while we appreciate that these fictional characters, uh, these are fictional characters, draping them in what appears to be a replica of a dead animal sends the message that wearing fur is acceptable, when in fact it has no more place in 2017 than it would in the year 40,000 thank you for your consideration I look forward to hearing from you okay so that was that was from Yvonne uh, Taylor Senior Manager of Corporate Projects first off i got to say very nice that they took the time to I mean it's probably someone within Peter is a, a Warhammer player uh, Yeah, they did their research you know, they, yeah. they, 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 they called on characters from the setting um, you know. they
1: know what they're talking about and I'm going to anything I say after this point I just want to point out I'm against the fur trade
0: I yep think me too. So.
1: quite horrible I would personally would never buy any fur. I would never wear fur. I would go so far as to say people who do wear fur have no idea what they're really getting involved in. Yes. Because it is a horrible, horrible practice and a horrible, horrible trade.
0: Yes. And and Peter does excellent work in this as well, uh, in, in preventing this sort, of, this sort of thing from going
1: preventing on. preventing the fur trade. I'm yeah. not going to comment on some of their other practices, which I find ridiculous.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but that said they're just games it's just models it's based off of historical acts in some cases they say oh, it takes no skill to wear the fur of an animal well they're not wearing rabbit skins they're wearing the furs of giant <laughs> Fenrisian wolves which they've killed with their bare hands yeah they, they weren't,
0: they weren't cage bred fur <laughs> <laughs> exactly I mean it, it comes down to the fact I mean, so Warhammer 40k has a substantial cosplay community behind it as well yes um, and i certainly see a lot of people that have made um, Space Wolf costumes, etc. Um, and they have used you know, fake fur, basically. I, I, I'm not aware of any, any cosplayers ever use real fur uh, in their cosplay. And I, I would really hope that no one ever would. Well, to, um, to be
1: honest, I think it would cost an absolute fortune to get yeah. real fur to make <laughs> a
0: decent Space Wolf cosplay. Exactly. But I mean, the question is, then, I mean, it comes back to, is fake fur... Um, you know, like, like is substituting something for the real thing then propagating the real thing in that respect as well because it's similar to using fake fur to make historical historical garb. Yeah. Um, you know they, in, in the histories of the real world, you know, fur was used for a multitude of reasons including warmth, display of martial prowess, etc because you know in the Middle Ages they weren't often getting fur from Well, they may have been, but you know, so I'm sure they were so let's go back to say the Viking era. Uh, I don't know if they were really caging animals for, like wolves for fur, for example, so... I doubt yeah, I don't know, I'm not a historian, I'm just saying, but uh, I, I just... What this letter did was it, it, a lot of people didn't say, wow, that was really nice of Peter to make that, yeah, that was a really good suggestion. Uh, and and I don't think the Games Workshop certainly has, has uh, uh, and if I were them, I wouldn't have, I probably wouldn't have responded, to be honest. I don't know if they, I don't know if they did respond and I haven't seen an open letter back, but I would probably just put that in the ignore pile if it was my business. Yeah. Um, but i think that it brought Peter into light for the wrong reasons you know the, the, it, it, even you and i have just sort of openly mocked them over it as well and i'm sure that it happened a lot more on the on the internet as well so um yeah I, I, it was it was a funny news story of the last of the last fortnight was this uh this peter story and i thought we should bring it up because you know it's it's everyone gets to have a a little chuckle at it, but once again, we don't we don't condone um, uh, the fur trade and certainly unethical exactly. treatment of animals. But it's just the the letter itself just um, brought b- b- a smile to my face. It could it could have been dark, you know, it could have been dark, yeah. not quite grim dark, but it could have good dark. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's just. Unfortunately, it led to them um, getting getting a bit openly mocked. Uh, I, I have
1: to say, though, I find it a little bit odd that they're against the, uh, the the wearing of pelts, but they've got nothing to say against Necrons wearing the skins of humans who they've captured, slain and skinned.
0: Yeah, but were those humans kept in cages? I think they Grown for skin? You know? Not grown for skin, but
1: I think <laughs> they were kept in cages at least for a while.
0: Yeah, okay, all right. Some of
1: these dark elder human skins that are
0: being worn. That's it. Anyway, so hopefully hopefully, you haven't offended too many people with this. You know, both our listeners will still keep listening to our next show. Uh, if you do want to do, um, write to us and tell us how offended you are by this show, uh, you can do so through our website, which is www.grimdartpodcast.com Our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Our Google Plus page is uh, plus.google.com slash plus sign grimdartpodcast. Our Twitter account is at grimdartpodcast. And don't forget, hashtag thanks for the heresy. And our email address is show at grimdartpodcast.com. And I will point out, I know that the guys from FFG still listen to this show because I've had likes on Facebook and on Google Plus after we posted new shows. So they'll know if you hashtag thanks for the heresy as well. Yes. Uh, So coming up, episode 81 will be a Dark Heresy episode. Uh, All I can tell you right now is we are covering off the Crusader, the least defenderist defender in the world. Yes. uh, Which we'll talk more about next episode. Yeah. Anyway, we hope we'll catch, catch you then. Thank you for your patience in waiting for this show, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thank you
1: very much.
0: This podcast is not endorsed by or affiliated with Games Workshop or Fantasy Flight Games. Warhammer 40,000, Dark Heresy, Rogue Trader, Death Watch, Black Crusade, Only War, Eternal Crusade, and all associated properties are trademark and or copyright of Games Workshop Limited. Fantasy Flight Games is a trademark of Fantasy Flight Publishing, Inc., all other materials are trademarked and or copyright of their respective owners. All original content is copyright of the Grimdark Podcast. All rights are reserved by the respective owners. Our theme music comes from Vibio Music Helly.